that live up to logic. You bust, I dodge it. Think you see me now? You just mirage it. I'm gunning, I'm gunning like a semi-automatic that's fully equipped with lyricism to let them have it. I blast it. Any style that you coming at me with, I mask it. I sun motherfuckers, then I'm out on you bastards. Psych. I'm just playing with y'all. Yeah, you know I had to keep it going. Kick rhymes that blow minds and see foreign. Real, recognize real, and you looking foreign. I was spitting flows before I was even born in the womb. And I'ma keep it up into the tomb. And as for the fame, yeah, I know it's coming soon. Cause I'm going in raw, finna bust up in your room. Hey, I hear hey, the beat and it's urgent to emerge in the game. Puking the do cause I'm too sick to spit that yoga flame. The way I see it, this is rap, second renaissance. Spitting dirty sentences, so here they affect the medicine. Ha, I'm heaven setting, spitting fire like a demon. As the internet allow my flow to get the streaming. I'm beaming, fall asleep listening. Now I'm in your head, what? You dreaming, Leo DiCaprio flow, I'm up in that bitch scheming Trying to get you to buy the album, trying to get you feening See my vision as I commentate it You want a scene that can rebut or debate it But the hate I ate it, success is truly overrated I seen cats that wanna blow up, turn pop and get deflated huh. See yeah you made it, but all of your fans hate it And it's kinda looking like you and Satan negotiated When it comes down to the rap game, you see I'm integrated Half white, half black, I had to incorporate it, get the money Whoever did this is a real pro Yeah, I'm just a youngin' with a dream Been spitting since 16, quite the microphone fiend all right, hello everyone. Welcome back to Escape from San Francisco podcast. I have two great guests on today. Today I'm at the Speakeasy, Ells and Lagers Brewery here in San Francisco, California, Hunters Point, one of the only black-owned um, breweries here in San Francisco. I have my guests John and Ahmed, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Speakeasy. What's it about? The roles here, and also some of their great beer. So hopefully that you enjoy this episode and enjoy our conversation. So how are you doing, guys? How are you doing, John? Good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for inviting me out here. Um, I do come here a lot. Like I was telling you earlier, you do run events on Saturdays, and he has so many great vendors that are part of the community here in San Francisco that come out here, and they always um, you know, show much love to the people here and great beer, food, and if you want to buy plants or cookies or <laughs> whatever someone's selling, there's always something going on here. And I know you guys do more than just Saturday events. And so if you want to, like, go ahead and talk a little bit about what Speakeasy is and what you guys do here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so a few years back, well, first of all, Speakeasy has been around in San Francisco since uh, the mid-late 90s. Uh, so plenty of people are familiar with, you know, the Big Daddy IPA and Prohibition and some of the older school beers that uh, Speakeasy's always produced. A few years back, though, uh, you kind of touched base on it. Um, uh, Speakeasy uh, went under new ownership, and that new ownership is Hunter's Point Brewery, uh, which was started by Seth Butner, who's uh, a black man from the South, actually, but moved out West and found his, like, you know, his... Uh, start in like beer distribution and alcohol distribution and things like that uh and then he f you know when speakeasy became an available entity uh you know he was one of the he was the only one that was pursuant of purchasing the place to keep it open to keep it uh going as a brewery um especially a brewery in a black neighborhood now owned by a black man it's uh you know, it was, it was really an important goal for him to keep this brand and this this place alive. Um, but that's where Hunter's Point Brewery comes into play. So uh, that's technically the mother brand or the the like uh, the brand that purchased Speakeasy. So now Speakeasy's produced under Hunter's Point, 
but uh, even though there's kind of a separation of beers and culture between the two brands, it is still one house and it is the same brewers and uh, you know the recipes have only improved and become more consistent and you know and we're starting to build our distribution again to be throughout California. So you'll be able to see the Speakeasy brand all over. Uh, whereas the Hunter's Point brand is something that uh, uh, I kind of took on under my wing when I came back here about seven months ago, uh, started working here again. And uh, that's where Ahmad comes into play. Uh, and what we started up with the Hunter's Point brand because it was basically an unused entity. We started up like a smaller pilot system type of brewery um, compared to what the, the volume that Speezy produces, it's minuscule, you know, uh, but it's about the size of what like these smaller breweries in San Francisco are able to produce. And uh, through that, we're able to produce smaller batches of beers, more fun uh, recipes using uh, various different ing ingredients that wouldn't necessarily go in your traditional Speezy beer. Uh, and then also through that brand, we've started these Saturday markets that you mentioned about having, you know, all types of local uh, entities and small businesses, uh, primarily owned by people of color, coming through to showcase their artwork, their plants, their food, their desserts, whatever it may be. Um, well, we've also hired Ahmad here, like I said, <laughs> that comes from him. As well, he's our main designer for the Hunter's Point Brewery brand, and he's done all of our beer labels for that sense. And they're all labels that kind of reference some sort of, uh, you know, uh, fun niche part of San Francisco that we're all like, you know, if, you, if you're from here, you kind of get it. If you're not from here, maybe you Google it. Uh, and you have a cool story to learn about or, you know, some aspect of, of the Bay that we all, you know, grew up with. Um, and, yeah, and then we've also started up under Hunter's Point uh, an internship program for uh, black and indigenous people of color uh, who are looking to get into the beer industry but, you know, have zero to no experience and, uh, you know, may not know where they're, fit into the beer industry is they're just they just know they're passionate about beer and so this this internship program uh it shows you you know not just the brewing but the the, the packaging the the cellaring the sales aspects the uh the the taproom aspects of running a brand and all these sorts of things too so uh we've just started that program up and that's been really really cool for the community as well I, I didn't know you even know you guys had that so there's so much more that goes in into just being a brewery like you said you have really cool cover art the weekend pass is like you know really amazing funny thing if, if everyone knows if, if you've been in barry you've probably taken the bar once especially if you lived out here um i know the big daddy ipa is just a, a classic staple but going into more of of what your company is like or what the company is in together like you're more than just a brewery and a label you you give back to the community and by giving back to the community you allow people to hold space here to allow them to um you know make a living for themselves sell and, and get other people engaged and then you guys also offer that internship program which is helping 
you know, black and indigenous people get their foot in the door. Um, I don't know how it is in the brewery industry. I don't know. Uh, Mostly per- white. That's what <laughs> I, I was figuring. But I didn't know, like, what, how much of a, you know, stronghold do, you know, mostly white people have in the, in the brewery, you know, business. I rarely go to a place that it is, you know, black or brown owned. It's mostly, you know, white people own the brewery. But I, what would it take to get more, you know, black and brown people into this space and, and you know, owning something like this or creating, you know, good beer and, and great art and, and a space for people to come to. So that's why people, you know, like places like this are, are very important to the communities. And and so I, I do want to talk to you, um, like, what was your idea behind some of these uh, designs and, and how did you come up with them? Well, when it comes down for the designs that we ended up making for the 100 Point Brewery brand, um, some of the ideas actually come from John. Um, they're either suggestions or it's something about the city that I personally either forgot or didn't know. Personally, I love San Francisco history. There's a lot that I've learned when I was uh, in continuation high school and just history that separates us from, of course, like anywhere else that was just really interesting to know. And I was kind of a smart ass around like my friends and family members and crew members and people of other communities because I'm always trying to share like city information, like San Francisco colors is black and gold as much as like people of the Giants or the Golden State Warriors or the Niners, like our city color is different from the teams that play here. And like who found the districts and just random little like pieces of like a history in the city that's out in plain sight, but people just walk by and not know anything about it at all. So to have the opportunity to be able to share something that I really just love sharing, period, and also being around people that have the same type of ideas, it's been, it's been great. It's been fun. How long does it take for one of these uh, projects to, to start and complete? Like, how long did it take you to make the Weekend Pass one? Is that the one you created? Uh, yeah. How long did it take you to um, create that one? I would say all in all, maybe about a week. So it's, it's a pretty... Uh, smooth transition and I was expecting it was going to take months uh, to me like I'm not a designer so I was like man that's like a lot of work <laughs> putting into that well the crazy thing is I'm not really a designer either I didn't I mean I did originally want to go to school for it but then my direction changed and I was working with kids for like over a decade it was COVID that changed my direction so it was um COVID that ended up changing my direction and um, I had nothing else to do. So instead of teaching kids or trying to get used to doing Zoom, I just decided to get more into design. Then my design partner, he wanted to start up the whole clothing brand idea again. And in the midst of that, an opportunity to design the Hunter's Point Brewery label came in. So from there, I started using the iPad Procreate program more just figuring out how to do that. And then since my design partner went to the Art Institute and graduated and does graphic designing, he taught me Illustrator. So when I made the Weekend Pass and I think two of our other labels, that was just all through Illustrator and it's still me learning how to use the program. So for people to show a lot of appreciation for the designs, how interesting they are, or how clean they look, it's really motivating for me to learn more about the program. So as 
Hunter's Point Brewery grows, so does my design skills, and so does the graphics that are on the labels. I mean, that's amazing, being self-taught and learning how to come over time. Like, like doing all this podcast stuff, I, I had to teach myself. I, I mean, there's some a uh, couple of people that I like to shout out. One of them, William Smith, um, that has helped me with the audio and video side of this, but just a lot of trial and error, and YouTube. YouTube helped me out so much on how to, like, do any of this. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the difference from 44.1 to 44 or 48 uh, was a big difference on, like, the audio settings or in video. Sh- what's the difference from 24 frames per second to 30 frames per second to 60 frames per second, 4K to one, uh, 1080p? I had no clue what any of that is, but it does make a difference um, as sort of the quality of the, of the product that you're putting out. And I'm assuming that you learning so much over the time from when you just started to now, it's just great. And I, that makes me uh, hit on another uh, point is like traditional schooling. It's like, I always thought you needed that in order to be successful, but it seems like more and more I'm meeting people that are self-taught and they are great designers or they're just great at what their, their craft. And it's about being dedicated to it and putting it out for, you know, for the, for the people to see and and seeing um, you know the quality of work in itself. So how has the community's uh, you know re- perception of this or reaction has 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 it been good? I know you mentioned that a little bit, like hearing good uh, feedback from people. Like overall, overall, like are people loving the Hunter's Point? Are they? Is this something that um, uh, it's like for you? It, it makes you get to that point where you can't wait for the next design or you can't wait for the next product to, to put out there for the masses. Uh, when it comes down for the feedback that we end up getting anytime, whenever I'm working here or when I'm not working, I'm still going to be coming around. Um, I would just hear from some people looking at the can when we keep them on the table, when it's not windy and feel like the wind is going to take it away. (laughs) Um, just people either asking questions about like, oh, like, what is this? Or like, what does this mean? Or people appreciating and getting the references. Like, I was surprised that some people knew about Bummers and Lazarus when they looked at the can and seeing that as B&L and trying to read the small font on the banner and had like a conversation with me about it. It was like a good exchange to like have not only like people saying like oh this like our design looks dope but also them sharing their experience with what it is that's on the can so what does it represent i'm not from san francisco i i've only been in the bay area since 2015 is this like a local reference to something and if it is can you uh, explain a little bit um it might be easier for john to actually explain that okay one. can i get this from john i know this is uh this is the one that I'm, I'm I'm drinking right now. Yeah, that's the one you're drinking right yeah, now. It's it's tasty. Mm, yeah, the beer itself is um this like North German uh, pilsner that uh, it's our guys our brewer's last day today, but it, that was his like passion project on his way out. But the bummer and Lazarus thing comes from like uh, old like San Francisco lore, like Barbary Coast lore. Back when San Francisco was only, you know, a few streets big and um, uh, Emperor Norton, who's this famous caricature of, of, of a human, uh, roamed the streets as well. But uh, Bummers and, Bummer and Lazarus were two dogs that roamed up and down downtown San Francisco. Uh, and it was a time when dogs kind of ran rampant and 
there are even uh, forces by the uh, the government here saying, you know, catch dogs, kill them. You know, it's time to like kind of get a handle on their the amount of dogs in San Francisco. And uh, but Bummer and Lazarus were always pardoned and excused. They were even like taken out of custody a few times when uh, uh, <laughs> when they got caught up. But they were famous because they're famous ratters. So. You know, rats were an inevitable issue in San Francisco when everything's built on top of everything else. And so basements would be filled with rats and uh, downtown um, businesses would would give Bummer and Lazarus like, you know, a hunk of meat, you know, a, a spoonful of stew or whatever they had to feed them and then bring them down into their basement. And notoriously, Bummer and Lazarus would just kill all the rats and then, uh, you know, collect their food and then move on. And they literally lived like that. Like that, that was their, that was their San Francisco lore, their Barbary Coast lore. And, um, uh, you know, I think one of them got poisoned, unfortunately, and the other one just died of natural causes. And I think it was Lazarus that died second and his body ended up getting like stuffed. And I think, uh, uh, Emperor Norton was actually at his funeral, like conducting the funeral for this dog, and just two famous dogs of the Barbary Coast back when San Francisco was even more weird, you know, like kind of kind of cool lore. And that's kind of what our all of the designs aim to do is just highlight a different part of, whether it be historical or current or whatever, just highlight a, a part of the bay that like resonates with people or causes a story. I learned something new today. I, yeah. I have no, I don't know anything about San Francisco lore. Just like a little bit here and there, but not really. That I mean, that's something that is a great story, and I want to like look up more about that. See if there's like anything out there, like a documentary or something, because uh, San Francisco has been around for a long time, and the changes over time has been probably crazy. And seeing how robust the city got built over time, and how much they built over over top of things, having the m massive fire back in the early 1900s and how much that damage happened and they built right back <laughs> again, you know, like uh, that being said, um, when you take an account for that and you're, you're, you're putting uh, a San Francisco spin on something, um, that reception must be great for the people that get it. You know, the people that get it, it's like, wow, you know, they think about something like this. And for me, not being from here, not knowing it, I still like the can. The can's amazing. You know, that's that... I, I didn't know what it meant, but now I know what it means. So now next time I see it, I'm going to have that every time I get that. I'm like, oh, this is the story behind it. And it has a more meaningful impact uh, when people buy that. Because I think that's, for me at least, that's what the point of buying craft, bre craft beer is. is like having the cool art, tasting if the beer is going to be good or not or whatever it might be, right? Um, that's what I like. That's the fun of it. Instead of getting just like some regular corporate, you know, basic beer that's always the same year in year out nothing ever changes for it but uh, craft beer is always come and go all the time and there's always you have to be innovative and get to that level um, is it really hard uh, to put out a beer that will capture the audience because I know there's everything out there right now that's that's being tried and so I, I'm not you know a really great creator about like artists or anything like that so I, I can't imagine trying to come up with a new style or a new design or anything like that. Yeah, I think the the design of the beers has always been like 
you know, there, there's a balance between like, this is for, for us, by us, as far as like the Bay Area people, like, you know, it's a BART pass, it's, you know, Bummer and Lazarus, it's, you know, we did uh, a, what we called Parrot Hill Pale Ale, and it, you know, it's a, it's a reference to the, the wild parrots of San Francisco, but it's not, you know, there's no such thing as Parrot Hill in San Francisco. It's just something that we kind of took out of context to make it still approachable. You know, Parrot Hill Pale Ale rolls off the tongue easy enough. The design was approachable. You know, you still enjoy the beer because the beer is delicious. But you're, just because you might not get the reference to the wild parrots doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Same same thing. That's why we called it the B&L Lager. We're having trouble trying to come up with like Bummer and Lazarus. Those are like two long, weird names. It's like you can't call something a Bummer IPA. That sucks. You know, like no one's going to want it or a Lazarus Lager. It just sounds weird i don't know no one would get it so trying to come up with that that balance of like yeah the people that get it like they get it and they enjoy it versus like you know people that don't get it can still enjoy it and usually like with the fine print of uh or not fine print but like the little like you know two three four sentence blurb that we add to the can adds like a little reference to the can art and at least something for you to Google, like, you know, at, at the end of it. <laughs> I, I didn't know you guys do that to your cans. I Mostly every time I come, um, I hardly ever get the cans because, you know, you get, get in the, the cups when you get here. So I don't ever get a chance to ever, uh, you know, look at it that long. And so that's another thing I didn't know is that you guys are putting tribute to it, right? You're making sure people understand the story behind it which I think a lot of other companies don't really put that emphasis on that. They just want to put like a cool design on it and there's really not no, no story to it. And to me, I'm a big sucker for stories. I love to know a story behind something. And if I know something, a story about it, I'm more likely going to buy it. I'm right. more likely going to purchase it because it's more meaningful. Uh, even though it is a beer, you know, it has that more meaningful impact and I will, I will buy it. Um, that I can't, I don't know if that's just marketing I mean, that's just like a, a good way to actually, uh, you know, s sell to people, right? Um, the point is to obviously to sell the beer and to have people enjoy it and to uh, make profit off it in the end. Um, but getting to that point, it, it is challenging, right? Coming to that point of just realizing, all right, we're just going to call it B&L and then put the, the Bummer and, La and Lazarus like underneath and everything. Like I love that cool design, like the way, uh, like the way you guys have the banners on it, the way that... It it has that, that 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 font and then it has like the two dogs at the end on the sides. Like you you killed it on this one. Like this one you killed it. That 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 one's it. Yeah, everyone likes loggers and dogs, <laughs> so it makes it really approachable, you know. And then the fact that there is a story behind it, it just kind of I I feel like gives it that like little wow factor like or or that connectivity factor of like oh man i'm i'm i've been on kearney where those dogs were like i've seen those buildings that they've entered you know what i mean or like weekend pass is cool it's you know being from the bay you automatically recognize the bart map right and you recognize the bart card uh and then you know you might realize that the numbers on here are uh you know bay area area codes so like 
it's still like a reference. Oh, like I'm from there. Like, oh, 510, that's on there. I'm from 650. Like, that's on there. I'm from there. So, like, it's for us, by us, sort of thing in that sense of like. But if you've been to the BART one time in your life, you're like, okay, this is cool. It's a tribute to their, you know, BART system. Yeah, you know, the BART <laughs> card. Is that, is that something that you came up with, that concept, the weekend pass? No, um, so that was a collab beer between us, Hunter's Point Brewery, and uh, Mitch, who is Hop Bay, uh, which is his own brand that he's like developed merch under, and he's uh, he's actually the most recent uh, person to go through our internship program, and this was like the result of it was our collab beer, and. Uh, you know he's he's looking to do big things with his brand uh, coming up, but this was his like kind of intro into the industry um, as far as like behind the scenes work and stuff, and he he's enjoyed it so much that he's like here brewing with the guys on the regular, just like, you know hanging out and gaining it, soaking up all the knowledge and everything. But uh, actually, the the weekend pass was you know Mitch of Hoppe and and Ahmad here just kind of coming together. I had some, you know, some design feedback, which I, is minimal, but it's always there. I'm usually just the guy that writes like the couple sentences at the end, and and yeah, That's but some, uh, some of the most important work, though. I mean, yeah, like it it helps tie things together, but it's I'll, it's, I'll it's killer. Ask, are you familiar? You're familiar with Daylight City, right? The, yeah, the brand. Yeah, and they, he had dropped a shirt where he has a bunch of muni. Uh, tickets in a shirt and it's kind of like intertwining it and everything too so that's like a cool spin on that as well you know if you know the muni you know the muni tickets the color different color colorations of them if you know the bart you know the bart ticket like it's just like those are just what catches people right because if right. you know it it's a symbol of something and you're able to you know gravitate towards it more and i think that's very uh, uh genius and behind coming up with something like that so much props to the two individuals that came out, Ahmad and his partner, and uh, our from, what's his name? The one from the Hops? Uh, oh, Mitch. Mitch. From Mitch. Hoppe. That's, yeah. that's really good. Uh, you know, just genius idea of getting into that, you know, into that space and coming up with that point. Um, I was going to ask both of you, what is some of your favorite, like, all-time, like, craft beer that you like, whether it's, like, brand or... Uh, style, lager, pilsner, whatever it might be, or like just the the art on on the cover, and um, some of them for me, like I really like uh, like the Mac Dre one. Oh I, yeah, that that one's really cool. That one always catches my attention. Yeah, you know, always gonna grab it. Isn't that my favorite one? Honestly, the quality of it's okay, but just the can is really cool. I know there's a couple like Warrior ones that just came out, and I really like those ones. Those ones are, are really cool. Um, another one, I don't know why I really like it, but it's just, it's a, sh it's really shitty beer. It's like Montucky, like the, it's just like the coldest <laughs> snack or, yeah. or a little cold snack the cold or something. snack, yeah. Yeah, just that one, just those little cool little designs and like little, uh, things that gravitate to more, even though they might not be like the best quality beers, they're just yeah. like really cheap or not. But for both of you, wh uh, what do you, uh, what do you like and wh what are some of your favorites? Man, I I came up in like the the old hype days of like craft beer. So like you know, everyone started like with stouts and Belgians back then, and then you like started seeing more and more of these IPAs, 
and IPAs were everywhere, and it was like, how hoppy could you get it? How bitter could you get it? Like the IBUs going over a hundred, and it it was like, and then the, the shift occurred of like where it became like, no, how how little IBU can we get into this? You know, how how little bitterness can we get into this IPA, and how fresh and juicy can we make it? So I've I've, I've been uh, into beer for a while to see all this stuff. Uh, happen, but I definitely say, um, you know, influentially for me to get into the industry, Speakeasy was definitely one of the brands. Uh, always loved their marketing. Always loved the fact that they were from San Francisco, even though, you know, it it didn't it could have been a brand from kind of anywhere with the marketing that it had. But uh, you know, if it, it's from home. Um, uh, nowadays, I drink probably. M- more sour beer than anything. Uh, Sante Darius is definitely my go-to brand and brewery. Uh, you know, love Humble Sea as well. Basically everything out of like Santa Cruz, Monterey has been really solid these days. And, um, you know, Temescal in the East Bay is killing it. Uh, Almanac doing a good job over on Alameda Island. Yeah, just uh, the beer game here is so strong. It, it, it went from the the industry or like the, the the fandom went from like how can we get all these hard to get beers from all over the country all over the world to now it's like we've got phenomenal beer all over the place now and yeah like marketing definitely plays a role into the success of the beers but yeah I definitely encourage just trying as much of it as possible yeah the Bay Area has some really good beers like some really good um, breweries and some really good like 20 uh 21st amendment i really do like you know 21st is a classic uh anchor steam you have drake's out in oakland um but i also like some i'm from fresno so like i like uh i really do like um is it route 99 what's what's the one back in fresno i gotta think about it again but there's a couple ones back in fresno that i I really do like one of them is called half dome that i really do like and i'm trying to think about uh, Sequoia Brewery. So Sequoia Brewery is like a big one back in Fresno that um, I really do like. Half Domes are, are really um, good quality beers. But I'm not much of a big fan of like the higher I- IBUs. I'm not a really big IPA or a double IPA individual. Like uh, Lagunitas, I like it, but I'm not really into that. But for you, Ahmed, what do you like? Ooh, let's see. I feel like my start as well was Big Daddy, was uh, the Speakeasy beers. And after a while, me and my brother, we just mainly stuck with drafts. So it's been a while since I've really had cans at that time. And it wasn't until COVID that we really started to get into going to certain spots that were still open, certain bars that were still open that were selling beer by the cans. And everything out of Humble Sea was just dope. It'd be maybe about like every two and a half weeks, there's like a new can over at the spot off of Divisadero that we'd go to. And not only was the beer that they were making great, but their cans were also very interesting. Never seen an all-white can before that had artwork on it. Didn't have a label scene either. And all of it, um, all their labels were pretty much these like cartoon-designed um, puns after certain things that you would know, like uh, instead of a, what was that uh, mixed drink called? Foggy and uh, Stormy? I can't remember what it was, but they had a beer called, um, I think it was like Foggy and Stormy, 
Then they have like a pun for uh, Ren and Stimpy. They call it Ren and Shrimpy. Since they're just like close to the water, then um, like, unfortunately. You like the puns ones? The pun on. ones were interesting. Shrimp don't creel my vibe. Shrimp, shrimp don't creel my vibe. <laughs> they created that one? The unfortunate wheel of fortune. Uh, it's like they just they made it. What brewery is this? Humble Sea. Humble Sea. Okay, yeah, yeah. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they just had like a lot of stuff that just like caught our attention just reading it. And every single time we're there, it's just like, oh, what's the new pun that they got this time? <laughs> and right after it, it's just like the ingredients already sound like it's going to be something that's very interesting. So what is the story behind uh, this one? The Savala, uh, how do you say it? Savala Savala's Valhalla. Savala's Valhalla. What it, so is that something you created or is that something that you're a part of? Um, that one was a, uh, it was like a secret beer that was um, made by one of our brewers. He, um, they didn't put it on the beer list because it was a beer that was made for uh, one of the guys that works in the back that's been pretty much working here longer than everybody that's currently here. It's been here for 20 years. And his last name is Valhalla. Oh, his last name is Zavala. When we came with the Valhalla, it's pretty much like um, it's it was the his heaven. yeah it was um, his heaven. So when they came to us with the um, ideas that they had, well, Zach and John, we just started trying to like figure out how can we make it look kind of like Viking Asgardian and just as badass as possible <laughs> in black and white, but also using. Um, his head, his like actual head from a photo. And my design partner, Randall, he just went to work and for about, I think, seven hours, just pushed that one out. So like, he found a good throne to sit him on, a good like cloak for him to wear. And then he found like an ax that was in the photo and he's just like, I'm keeping the ax in there. It's like, he's supposed to be holding a beer. It's like, I know, but he'll look more badass with an ax. <laughs> it, it does look. Or a really amazing. I, I'm gonna get some separate uh, B-roll of that. So when we do, when I do publish this, I'm gonna put, I'm put it up there so people can actually see because this is some detail that people really need to see. It's really high quality. When you go on to, when you go from the access sitting there to him holding the the big mug and having, what what is the, what is the top, top of the can? Oh no, I thought, oh the uh, wait the top of the can. Right, right here, sorry. These two things right here. On the side. Oh, that's just part of the throne. So that's part of the throne, too. So it just has, it's all thought out really well. And it just goes together well. And then you have the, the front of it. So the front of the can is like, is it is a, is appealing, too. Like, that draws me in, just even the front of it. But then even you have the back of the can, it just even makes it even more better. Like, it just, it rounds it out so well. And that's a really thought out, um, design that's uh, props again to you and uh, your the designers here that are creating this cover art for um, for this beer and also to the brewer that that created it. So, and you guys are killing it. So, out of uh, all the designs that you've been a part of, or the brewery that or the beers that you make here, I gotta ask which one's your favorite here. Ooh, that's a hard one. Because we had, let's see, I think we made nine labels. No, we made 
Yeah, we've made uh, nine labels that are printed so far, so that's nine beers. Neck and neck. It's still got to be our um, Town and City Hazy Double IPA that we made. That was our third beer, and I think. No, oh, that was the third label that we made, but it was the. It was the second beer that got released. Yeah, it was like the premiere of Hunter's Point Brewery, was uh, Town and City, and then the uh, the Bayshore Bay Yard. Yeah. Bayshore Yard was like an Italian pilsner that paid homage to a uh, old shipyard or not old shipyard, old train yard uh, in Hayes Valley that would be like notoriously tagged up all the time. So uh, we got like the likeness of a train car, side of a train car, and Ahmad did like a dope digital graffiti work on the side of this train car, and that was like that was our first. Pilsner release, and then along with it was our uh, a hazy double IPA that we did in collaboration with Helicoastal. Um, those guys, shout out to Helicoastal for sure. Uh, we are the only black-owned brewery in the Bay Area, as it stands right now. Uh, but Helicoastal is a black-owned brewery that's in production, meaning uh, they're getting their licenses, their, their facilities, their equipment together. So they'll be the first black-owned brewery in Oakland. And, uh, but without even owning a brewery space yet, those guys have really grown their, their, uh, their brewery brand. And they've done all sorts of collaboration work uh, with us, with other black-owned breweries throughout the Bay Area, uh, with other non-black-owned breweries throughout the Bay Area. They're just crushing it. They're, they're producing beer all over the place. But yeah, the, the town and city was our, our collab beer, and it was it's dope because we're we're from the city, and so you know we we had like our half of the can silhouetted of like famous San Francisco stuff, and then their half of the can was a silhouette of famous you know Oakland Oakland buildings, Oakland spots, things like that, and hence you know town and city, we're we're the town, we're the city, and it was a very harmonious beer. It was. Fucking delicious. Yeah, I miss that label. I miss that label. I miss that beer. Yeah, people <laughs> still come in talking about it, asking about it. It was, it was a good beer. We'll probably make it again. Uh, it was a hazy double IPA. Um, we're always in rotation uh, in the, in the back, like I said, with like our smaller tanks. So we're always producing some sort of lighter lager beer. Uh, Right now we've got like a Mexican lager going in the back. And then we're always producing like a, either a pale ale or an IPA, a Saison or a double IPA, something in that rotation. But because it's a small batch of beer, we rotate through it pretty quickly. Um, Zavala's Valhalla is a West Coast double IPA. So we're not in a rush to do another double IPA right now. But it's definitely on the list to come back. As a style. Double IPA for me is too much. I, I remember one time, I didn't know about craft beers. I, I'm, I'm from Fresno. I'm from a small country town. And back home, we drink Coors, Fireball, and Bud Light. And, you know, we didn't know what crew craft beer was. Um, at least I didn't. And um, coming out here to the Bay Area, um, Going to Casa East Bay 2015, there was a craft like a micro craft brewery uh, there, 
called Br- uh, Brews and Brats in uh, downtown Hayward. And me and my buddy would go all the time. We're just trying all the beers all the time. So that's how I got introduced to it, trying all these beers. And um, first time I ever had a double IPA. I didn't know how, how strong it was. And so I had two of them. And then it didn't hit me. And I'm like, why am I so drunk right now? Like, yeah, I had yeah. no clue. Like, I just thought it was just two beers. Like, I, ju- I didn't understand. And, um, yeah, I was just like, why does it come in a, in a goblet? Like, why does it come, like, I just can't get a normal normal size. And they're like, yeah, you're, you'll see. And, yeah, yeah, I saw, right? Um, for for me, though, I, I also want to uh, touch on, like, what are some of the worst beers that you've had or that you've uh, – you know, we don't have to mention names that are in production now, but, like, over time, like, that maybe are not around anymore. Like, for me, um, one of the worst beers I've ever had was a horchata stout from that microbrewery, it was the worst tasting beer I've ever had in my life. It made me want to like puke right when I drank it. I'd never had that experience before in my life, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Horchata stout. Now I'm really curious. It sounds, in theory, like it should work. <laughs> nah, dude. There's some really good horchata stouts out there. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, yeah, uh, Belching Beaver. You should try them out. They do a horchata stout. They they also do a peanut butter stout, really good. I mean, really sweet. The style is called uh, pastry stout. The idea is that there's like quite a bit of residual sugar left over to make it taste like dessert. And you know, I I enjoy like you know four or five ounces of it, but I'm not chugging. You know, I'm not getting a pint, and I'm not having another pint for sure. You know, but horchata, yeah. Uh, I, and then the brewery, I think. The brewery, they're out of San Diego. Uh, they do a horchata. It's pretty good, too. I know it sounds weird, but it works, man. It's weird. They do, like, a horchata golden ale. It's pretty good. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so it's so weird, but you just, you got to you gotta try. I try a little bit of everything, you know. The I can't really get behind some of the hype beers these days. They're a little bit too much. Uh, things that are like so heavily fruited that it's negligible how much beer you're actually consuming. You know, if you want to drink a beer, you could drink beer, and if you want to drink, you know, slushy fruited beers, and, and just add vodka or something like that's fine. It's a daiquiri. You know, it doesn't have to be a beer. Uh, I think it's cool that people are trying to you know push the line of what a beer is, so I can respect it. It's just for me, it's just like. Like, do I want, like, hella sugar, or do I want to drink a beer? And that's why, you know, like, I don't know. I don't I don't drink too many of those. Uh, what other styles don't I drink? I don't know. Um, the Milkshake IPA kind of came and went. There's some good ones out there. I'm not going to hate all, all of them, but. Yeah, there's, there's. Full yeah, circle, right? Full circle. We brewed some of their beer here, because they're black-owned as well, and they, they hit us up for contract space and we're stoked because full circle does you know they do really well like they you know for milkshake ipas i think they're probably one of the better ones in my opinion um but yeah uh it it definitely isn't as popular as it once was and i think it's just because it's a it's again a a little too sweet you know if you want to drink sweet drink a daiquiri but if you want to drink beer drink a beer (laughs) <laughs> uh, I can't get like our brewer to brew a sour, and I love sours. 
I love, uh, you know, fruited, non-fruited, whatever it is. Just, you know, balanced sours. And he is just not behind it. So I won't, I won't be able to get a sour out of him. Uh, how about you, Ahmad? What do you not drink? Let's see. I think you'll try everything. I have tried. Well, I still am actually trying everything. Yeah. I think. said no yet. I haven't said no to anything. Even some of the, even like um, one of the beers that we have that's on tap that just tastes very green, earthy, that um, hazy IPA that we have. Yeah. It's like, it's something that I would not go to and drink and have another cup of, but I wouldn't mind having it if someone gave it to me. Right. Um, There has been, I've experienced gluten-free beer before um, the one that we make for Mm -hmm. Otherwise. And um, I've come across some good ones. I've also came across just one terrible one. (laughs) My friend did not tell me who made it. Did not tell me exactly what it was. And it just came off like gasoline. It, It was something that I couldn't, well, I had no choice but to at least try to drink some of it. But... After that, I just I questioned every single gluten free like beer that has been placed in front of me. I gave the ones that we have here a try, but there's no way that I'm gonna try any of the other ones that's out there in the wild. <laughs> I mean that's that's fair. Uh, I've I've had the gluten free one from here, and it was actually really it was really good. I'm not gonna lie, that that gluten free beer that I've had from uh, Speakeasy was it was really tasteful. Um, I but I have stomach issues, so like gluten-free for me like sometimes it works well but i know what you mean like having something where it's like when it tastes when it starts tasting like gas uh, yeah it's, it's not for you like you either you're drinking you're drinking that cheap pop off or whatever whatever cheap liquor it is you know that's that feeling you get if you're getting that from from beer like yeah there's yeah, i want to drink that no more it's just one of those things where i just have like a bad experience with it and then another one a little bit like a uh, little ways down the line that just kind of have the sets where it's just like I, I, I just can't trust it. <laughs> I, I, I feel you on that one. Um, some, but I I want to go back to what John said about sours. I, I really do like sours too, especially like even when like when my stomach is like messed up, like or hurting, whatever from whatever. Um, I would drink a sour and it just sits right with me, and like I have a good beer and just sours work for me. I don't know for whatever reason they're tasteful and they work well with me and. And my stomach, so like I like them, and I haven't had a sour in, in a while, but I used to get them all the time because they're really good. I wouldn't get like drunk off a sour, but like I will enjoy them with food, like for sure, or just even drink them by themselves. Like they're really tasteful. I really like sours. I do. I'm not gonna say I don't like stouts. I do like stouts. I just that horchata stout that day, which is not not for it. But I think I need to give it a try one more time. It, it, you guys are making it sound good, so I'll give it a try. Uh, the, the peanut butter one uh, sounds good. I really, my friend, one of my really good friends is from San Diego, and he really likes uh, peanut butter whiskey, which is called Screwball. And so he he brought the, he, um, I've, I drink that all the time with him now. It's like the Screwball. It's like, to me, it, it's sweet and it's tasteful and it just goes down smooth. But sometimes when you're drinking too much sugar, you're going to wake up with that massive headache. It's, so you pay the price for it. And then, um, as far as like other types of styles, what are some of your favorite styles uh, of a brew 
or, or a beer that you you like to create, um, whether it's pilsners, lagers, stouts, sours. What are some um, like styles that you want to create next? And do you have future uh, plans in the works on upcoming projects? Oh, I actually wish I could be a part of that. I don't know, I'm still learning when it comes down to for um, ingredients, but I really do like our West Coast IPAs, or just like West Coast IPAs in general. Yeah, um, you know, uh, as far as like small breweries go, you've always got to have something light, you got to have something hoppy. Um, it's just the, the winning combination, because that's like, Probably like 90% of beer drinkers either want something light or something hoppy or both. So we strive to do really well in those two categories in particular. Um, but I think Speakeasy as a brand and brewery uh, has always done really big, heavy beers well. So uh, I'm looking forward to perhaps, you know, like a, a summer stout or a return of like payback quarter or something like that under that old brand uh, that, you know, really, really good higher alcohol beers um, along with all of the other ones that we produce for sure. Uh, I'm drinking the weekend pass. It's juicy as hell. Great. Um, but it's perfectly approachable. It's like, what is it, 6.4? Three percent alcohol and tasteful, but not overwhelming. So goes well with food. And have a few more without feeling all too messed up. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have a saison coming down within the next couple months. Saisons have always been one of my favorite styles, and uh, the the previous saisons produced out of this place have been really good. So I'm excited to see that come back. Uh, hopefully we'll barrel age some of it and get some sour sour beers going or something. But um, yeah, the Saison, love me a good Saison. That'd be good. So we're, we are coming towards the end of uh, the podcast now and I do appreciate um, both of you for having me here today, and I appreciate the beer. It's, it's delicious. I love you guys' um, glasses with the eyes and everything. Um, you guys do a well here. You guys treat people well, and uh, I'm always going to be appreciative of that. I'm always going to support you guys. Um, when I'm out there, um, I always tell people about this place, not only for the beer, but what you guys also do about having the vendors here um, on Saturdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Also have comedy here as well. I mean, you guys do it big here, and um, you always, you know, appreciate of, of the community, and you try to get everyone involved, and so that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm really happy and um, fortunate that you guys are here in in um, San Francisco, and you guys are doing it, um, you know, doing it your way. And uh, thank I you. Yeah, we're we're trying to we're always trying to push the boundaries or like the expectations of what a brewery is. You know, like a lot of people go to a brewery and they expect. You know, they expect craft beer, they expect a flight, they expect some bar food, whatever it is, you know. But I feel like here we provide, you know, 
I look to like Crowns and Hops, which are which is Tio and Benny. They're friends of mine. Um, they started a the first black owned brewery in Inglewood, and their their issue with breweries it wasn't that necessarily it was just all white dudes, but there's not a there's not a welcoming sight or sound you know like if if, and if a brewery did play hip-hop maybe they were critiqued or or you know left someone left a bad yelp review because they didn't like the the music played there and i think that like we here especially being in in the notor like in the famous you know hunters point bayview neighborhood here like we strive to be something a little bit different than what you expect a brewery to be whether it be the music that we're playing or the event that we're hosting, the vendors that we have, the nonprofit that we're hosting, whatever it is, it's all definitely not typical brewery shit. You know, like we have some like really, really good times here. No, I, I could, I've, I've been a part of some of the times on Saturdays at least, and it was just, it was amazing. And you don't get that anywhere else. Like you're right. Um, when I go back home in Fresno, there's a Tioga Sequoia Brewery. They have two locations. One of the locations is like a standard, you know, type of brewery setting, you know, really laid back, chill. They have live music from time to time. And then they have another spot, which is located by the ball, uh, the, by the baseball stadium, but where the Fresno Grizzlies play. And it's like right, like right there, right across the street. And it's like a perfect location. But there, that you know, they have everything. They have food trucks. They have live performances outside. And that's like kind of reminds me of this, you know. You allow to have food trucks here. You allow to have vendors and space, and you have you allow artists, you know, to be here. And I think that's what makes this place great is that you guys allow everything, like just to be here. And it's not just beer. It's 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 a culmination of things, and it's about people, and it's about having a good time, and it's about eating good food and and having good conversations. And I think that's what it comes down to when you're having a beer with someone, like we're doing right now. You know, we're having a good conversation. You know, we're getting to uh, know each other, get to talk about beer and things like that. And that's the way, you know, I, I like it. You know, that's the way I, I want, you know, life to be and stuff. And so, it, especially with everything going on this past couple of years, like, it's it's been hectic. And getting to a point of, a, like, normal, like, something normal again. And just having this, you know, I, from, like, almost, like, a year ago, I would never thought this would be possible again. Like, you get those kind of, like, thoughts of, like, eminent doom and uh, that's it you know yeah. and everything's never is going to be the same again and, and this and that but like i can't wait for all the breweries or all the beer that's going to come out like pandemic beer like yeah. stuff like you know design about that and stuff so that's going to be really cool i don't know if any uh, uh beer makers have made like a mask on a beer yet or anything like that <laughs> probably it's probably going to be outplayed soon but you know how it, how it goes but um i appreciate you guys and uh, before uh, we end it, I do want to ask uh, one last question. Is um, I want to let the audience know a little bit about you, who you are, how did you get started in um, this business, and uh, where do you see, uh, you know, where do you see uh, this going in the next few years as far as uh, the 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 brewery process and like making new beers and and um, what kind of like goals do you have in the future? Well, kind of like how I mentioned before, it was the pandemic, the pandemic that kind of got me into this whole position. But before, I guess before uh, this job and 
like me teaching gymnastics and breakdancing before that I was also like I did graffiti so I like painting on stuff I like painting on walls canvases and all that and for me to be able to like well for me to not do that for about over a decade since I started teaching and working with kids I just kind of shelved my artistic creativity and then slowly got back into it because one of my friends suggested for me to learn calligraphy and for me to be able to pick that up and not only be able to try to create just little projects and things and commission work out of it, but for me to be able to do it on labels that's going to be in people's hands. If anybody wanted to collect it and has good like information about whatever it is that we've designed on it, like it's dope and it's something I never expected that I would be doing. Um, I'm glad that my friend, my design partner, Randall, was asked over his job if he knew anybody that could do graffiti on a uh, train car. And that was the first can, which was the Basher Yard. Originally, it was supposed to be called something else. Uh, and I think it got changed because it was a, uh, was it an Irish slur? Uh, it was a slight, an Italian slight. Oh, it was an Italian slur. Yeah, but it was also the name of the road. Yeah, it was an Italian slight, but it was also the name of the location. So it wasn't like we were going to go out of our way to make a slight towards Italian folks. It was like an homage to a famous uh, eatery here in this neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, we didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was more of a joke, if anything. But, yeah, it was uh, we did not did not do that. Nope. <laughs> and it was right after I finished the um, the draft, too. Like, a couple of days afterwards, I ended up getting an email back, not only about his critique about how he would, like, for the design to look more organic, but also, yeah, we're not going with that name anymore. And I'm just like, uh, darn it. Oh, it's done. <laughs> Start over, please. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, through that, I was just sitting in, I think, a few days after that, and they were trying to figure out what else to call it. And then the Basher Yards just popped into my head because it's the closest thing that I remember that had not only just certain trains that used to be parked there, but also that uh, abandoned train station. And I think from there, we became a little bit more involved with the names of the beers and also the design works from it. And I feel, I mean, hopefully, as um, Speakeasy and Hearthstone Brewery grow back, um, I would be more involved in a lot of the design work. I mean, also I am still learning to be better at doing designs instead of relying on my design partner to be able to help me fix or finish some things that I can't do. Um, but in the long run, my goal really is to be more involved with Speakeasy and Harness Point Brewery, more so than I currently am. Yeah, one of my goals is to get him more involved with this place as much <laughs> as I can too. Um, yeah, I guess you asked about the background and stuff. I've been in the beer industry for a little over a decade now, um, just in various forms of it, but uh, about seven, no, eight, nine years ago now, oh no, it wasn't, I don't know, seven years ago, I think it was about seven years ago, uh, I got hired under previous ownership here at Speakeasy. And I just started off as a bartender 
um, but quickly worked my way up to managing the, the tap room here um, at that time. And then when the adjustment in ownership happened, I went and managed another tap room not too far from here uh, for a good amount of time. And between my first stint here, my second tap room, growing that brand and that business up to being pretty incredible from what, you know, the starts that it was to what it is now, um, you know, taking all that knowledge and experience, bringing it back to Speakeasy and starting this Hunter's Point brand, you know, you, you key in on certain things that are important to you. And like one of, one of the things that was important to me was like, hire people from the neighborhood that you're working in. Uh, Ahmad happens to be from this neighborhood. Uh, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a rough start as far as like us working together, you know, getting concept to design, to finish product. It was all pretty smooth. And since then it's been like, sometimes the concept is the hardest part. Like coming up with like, what are we going to represent versus like what's actually going to go on the can? You know, sometimes it's one day and we've got it. Like the Parrot Hill Pale Ale came out of like an hour long conversation together. But Ahmad has like drastically picked up like different aspects of the, the business here from, you know, sales and distribution to running a tap room to, you know, design work and, and dealing with uh, labels and deadlines and things like that. So I definitely want to involve him as much as possible here in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as my concern, I think, uh, I think this place is amazing. I mean, it turns out some phenomenal people in the industry, uh, and it's been a great opportunity to start something new even even though we're in an old place and uh, you know there's not a whole lot of breweries that could have walked into and been like so what's this Hunter's Point thing no one no one really mind if I take this on and build a team and create a brand and you know, build a tap room around it and, uh you know the the um, the owner was just everything was was supportive about it, and it's and it's grown like you've noticed as a bystander here to be far more about the community than just being about a beer brand. And so yeah, we've been able to raise money and raise awareness and use our platform for all sorts of fucking great things. And I think that'll just continue as long as we're. You know, we're supported and can stay open, get people out here. You know, that's one thing. But also, we're having fun with it still. So I think as long as that continues, it'll just be innovative and new all the time. You know, and that'll keep this place perpetually going well. Well, thank you guys for sharing your insight. Everything that you guys do here. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ahmed. The designs are killing it. Thank you. You're managing this place really well. You guys are coming up with some cool designs. I can't wait to see what Hunter Point turns into, how far you guys take it, and everything like that. Um, I appreciate everything you guys do for the community, everything you give back, and allowing people to hold space here. That's something that 
cannot be thanked enough. And there's really not much. Um, I don't think people really understand how important that really is, especially when a place has limited space, um, such as San Francisco. There's not a lot of space for people to have this um, opportunity to come out here and and do it in a way where it's not. It's like I don't. I don't think people realize like some of that is is not achievable in other areas or other places around the Bay Area. You can't just show up and 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 um, allow people to have space like that. There's a lot of uh, you know BS that goes along with politics. it. Politics, right? Politics, red line, all that stuff gets in the way of it. And you hold it down here, and you have great beer. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being on a podcast. Uh, till next time, thank you. <laughs>